Welcome to Hostel Homies, a podcast focused on the best parts of backpacker culture. I'm your host, Joe Glasgow. Each week I sit down with a new guest, ranging from the people I meet while I'm abroad to professionals who work in the travel industry. Listen along as they share hilarious and inspiring travel stories, unparalleled recommendations on where to go, and tips for seeing the world on a budget. For Hostel Homies, it's all about the journey, the destination, and the people you meet along the way. Hello, Hostel Homies. This episode is sponsored by Hammock. Hammock is the social media platform for hostels, connecting you with other travelers nearby. Download now on the App Store or Google Play and join the network today. Hello, Hostel Homies. Today, our guest is a music producer and DJ who's living in Los Angeles. Uh, He's actually the guy who made the theme beat for Hostel Homies, so... If you're listening to the intro and outros and you're like, damn, this is nice, Uh, this is the guy who did it. Very happy to introduce our guest this week, Alex Reese. Hey, how's it going, man? Glad to be here. Well, we're going to be talking about Alex's latest backpacking trip, uh, which was a trip through Europe, correct? Yeah, it was, yeah. And it was you solo or was it you with, uh, with a group of buddies? It was a group of four of us that had talked about going abroad and, uh, one of my buddies could go for a certain amount of time. He could like come through mid-April or something, and the other guys had to go earlier. And although like we were all like the same group of friends, there was this weird thing where we would only those two groups would only actually overlap by like two days. So I I uh, sort of bit off more than I could chew by uh, by committing to both of them and being like, yeah, let's do it. You know, let's let's travel around everywhere we can. Uh, and then I was faced with the task of. Uh, seeing how I could pay for like a couple months in Europe instead of uh, just a combined couple weeks. There's something about it, you know, and I don't know, speaking to the whole, you know, hostile homie sort of um, the attitude that that I hear throughout your show is, you know, kind of that camaraderie of, you know, just traveling together and and going going back to being in in a hostel and meeting someone who you immediately have something in common with. You know, you're like, we are in this foreign country and and you know oftentimes people are from all over the world but uh this was even more special because it was like buddies from back home it felt like it it was uh brought us all a little bit closer so let's talk about the hostels because were you guys staying in hostels the entire time uh more or less yeah so in in paris we stayed in a hostel it's called generator hostels we actually stayed in a couple of them over our trip they're Mm -hmm. really cool sort of modern you know large complex sort of things and maybe a little bit more touristy if if you would Mm -hmm. um in the sense that they're just a lot bigger they have more amenities and whatnot but we got hooked up with them because of something i'd probably like to go in a little later about uh you know playing music over there Mm -hmm. I ended up playing music at a couple of those hostels around and that helped sort of span a trip together. And so, you know, the first one that we went to was a generator in Paris and, uh, I don't know how many rooms there were, but, uh, it, it gave you that experience where you could literally just walk out in the hallway, see somebody. And, you know, as long as there's not an incredible language barrier, you can be like, well, what are you guys up to tonight? We're about to go here. And you can just, go from there yeah those hostile hallways <laughs> there's just it's, <laughs> it's very rare when you walk by someone in a hostel especially in a hallway where you're not saying something to them yeah and and i think there's also there's a nice attitude that you get with a hostel which is feeling a little closer to to a group of people 
just based on the matter at hand and mm-hmm. i think a lot of the hostels do such a great job of that because they're often cheaper and you know you you have to or get to however you look at it um you know stay in rooms with a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. so you're not gonna you already have i feel like an attitude of that travel is the priority and you know it's not that you need to stay in a five-star hotel with complimentary everything and your own shower and all these things you know a lot of these people that i met was just like yeah i'm piecing this together as best i can to stay traveling for as long (laughs) as i can yep you know it kind of provides you the opportunity to do so yeah absolutely it's funny to think about how hostels cost less than anything else but i think even if i had a lot of money i would still probably go to them because Nowhere else are you going to have those opportunities to meet that many people. I couldn't imagine, you know, being in a in a hotel. I mean, we we have stayed in hotels. That part of our trip, we we had some uh, some hotels that we stayed in just for whatever reason. And I don't think I met a single person that we ended up having, you know, more than a a, a passing conversation of, about, you know where to get the hot sauce at the breakfast. <laughs> you know, like it, there was no there was no like. Who are you? Where are you going? Where have you been? Like, any recommendations? What are you doing tonight? You know that that kind of I don't know. It's like a traveler's attitude. You never hear about someone at a at a wedding, like someone's best man. Like, yeah, I met this guy <laughs> at a hotel. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we were both traveling. Went for the last croissant at a Marriott <laughs> breakfast room, and been friends ever since. Like, no. <laughs> this is the works. this is the portion of the podcast where we just go fuck hotels. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's talk about the the kind of special experience that you got to have with hostels and you got to actually perform at a lot of hostels, correct? It's very, very fun. And everyone and their grandmother is a DJ nowadays. So mm-hmm. it's uh, I felt like it was a tough sell. So I just emailed, you know, like I was saying, trying to span that gap with, with two groups of friends and two timelines. I, I had to find some way to help my wallet along because I'm not... I'm not a rich man never never have been mm-hmm. and uh i got, had to had to do something to ideally get gigs and get paid over there mm-hmm. but uh also i ended up emailing a, a whole bunch of hostels uh you know the ones that had venues or even if they said they had an open mic or or even a bar you know anything that they had um i just went and sort of cold called and uh emailed like maybe 500 hostels and venues all over europe yeah yeah and uh heard back from like maybe eight or nine that said that they would love to have me and then it like i said started off with uh with the generator in paris Mm -hmm. i I mean i I still think to this day it might be one of the most pleasant experiences of my life is you know to put yourself out there and then be accepted like that and then have them basically you know allow me to travel maybe probably added up to about a month out of those three months that I didn't have to pay for lodging. Holy shit. Yeah. No kidding. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I played in Paris the, that first week and then I played in Hamburg a couple of nights and, um, both were, were incredible experiences for just ridiculous reasons. The, the first, <laughs> the first night in Paris, uh, I started playing and I was, absolutely on cloud nine like i at that point you know my hostel had been comped and you know it was just the performance it wasn't like oh if you if you play a good show then we'll give you free lodging it was you know it was done it was already yeah you were already staying there 
Exactly. And yeah. so it was it was like this is now a free injection of extra fun into an already amazing travel experience. So I was feeling it and <laughs> for the first probably hour and a half and this happens sometimes at DJ shows. Uh, for the first like hour and a half, it was my two buddies down in the bar. There was like a guy doing homework behind me, uh, <laughs> and then just a absolutely fucking wasted. Uh, the guy was probably sixty, just an old French guy who kept asking me to play like the equivalent of a French like Frank Sinatra. It was very, <laughs> very like like musical Broadway kind of, you know, terrible fidelity. Like I downloaded a couple of songs and played it for him. And I was like, Oh, I thought this was like Daft Punk or house. This is like... <laughs> so come fly with me. Come. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We, we fly. And it was just absurd. And you get a little discouraged when you're like, okay, maybe this is not going to pick up. because. You know, you can only keep so much energy before you realize that the guy doing homework really doesn't care if you're, mm -hmm. quote unquote, like, you know, going in. Or, <laughs> yeah, you, you know, can't like, do one, two, three, everybody yeah, job. Everybody <laughs> job. The guy's like, actually, like, uh, <laughs> turn it down a little bit. He's like, these papers aren't going to grade themselves, guy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, But then all of a sudden, this giant, <laughs> like I was a flock of people from Uruguay and it was some sort of school trip that they had come down from Uruguay to visit Paris for some reason. I, I don't, I still don't know the reason, mm -hmm. but the, the guy came up to me who was the leader of the, um, the leader, the, he was like the guide, the tour guide or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he had a flash drive that was like the biggest flash drive that I've ever seen. It was basically like an external hard drive. And he was like, I have a bunch of music that they would like to hear. It's like a bunch of reggaeton and whatever. And I was like, yeah, cool. And plug it in. So he plugged it in and dumped like 50 gigabytes of <laughs> reggaeton <laughs> onto my little travel computer. Yeah. And it just turned into a, just a wild, like Latin Uruguayan dance party for two and a half hours. And then that was it. <laughs> That's awesome. In Paris, though, <laughs> like I was expecting funk and house and whatever. And nope. Took a trip down south to Uruguay and you kind of had to play the game with them, right? Like, I mean, these these guys came, <laughs> these saviors came out of nowhere. Well, they came from Uruguay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't know exactly where they came from. <laughs> They're like, look, we're gonna come and party, but it's it's gonna be on our terms. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost exactly how it was. You know, it's like I could have been stubborn and be like, no, I'm gonna play the American music that I think Europeans like. <laughs> but they're not they're from uruguay and then they just told me what they like so you know as a dj it's like i just want people to have a good time so it, it, it ended up being a great time because they they got all their favorites and when they came up and asked for a request they would just like tell me the name and i would hit the search bar and it would pull up and get mix it in and then you know play a little of my stuff but it was it was indicative of the trip you know i feel like when you're traveling one of the best things to do is is be flexible mm -hmm. and uh you know, so you could you could go into a situation like that and and say like I am you know some egotistical DJ who thinks he's the man and I'm gonna just play my own stuff. But who's to say that they would have been like, well, we're just kind of look, looking to dance to reggaeton, and if you can't like flex with the experience, you know, sometimes it cuts it short. And I feel like you know when traveling, probably more so than anything else, is is uh, you get curveballs, and it's the best just to sort of go with them and see where they go yeah it's kind of a nice metaphor for the the whole trip in general huh yeah absolutely how did uh, how did the old french guy feel about the music from uruguay 
Oh, he left immediately. <laughs> <laughs> once, once he, well, because one of the bartenders came over, one of the guys that was uh, like, there was like the manager that booked me and then the bartender that was going to be there at the bar. So he said, if, if you have any like sound questions, you know, ask this guy, or if you want to drink, ask this guy. Mm-hmm. So he came over after he saw that I was being bugged by him. And then I played one of the songs and he came over just like hysterically laughing. Like, dude, you don't have to listen to this guy. He's wasted. Like you don't realize like what this is to France. Like this music that you just played is like, imagine if you were at a, at a club in Miami and then the guy just like put on Johnny cash, or, you know, like <laughs> the ring of fire. Everyone would be like, what the actual, you're like, what's happening. But, um, it would definitely be Budapest was the, uh, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Is that in the right? Best way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because Budapest, uh, I think a lot of people associate it with insane partying and having like the most wild nights of their lives, myself included. Um, so I'm very, <laughs> yeah. I'm very curious to hear what it's like to put on a show out there as well as as go out after. Well, Budapest was was wild. You know, from from the time that we got there, we were, I was supposed to play on Tuesday and Saturday, and so we left from. After Hamburg, we went to Berlin for a bit, and then we took like a I don't I can't remember how long the train was, but it was an absurdly long train from Berlin to Budapest. Then I was supposed to get there on Tuesday and play that night, and then we'd have a couple days, and then I'd play again on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And we got in on Tuesday, <clears throat> and uh, we walked into the venue or the hostel, which is uh, can't remember the name of the of the type of bar that they have there, but it's like the open air sort of you know the um, ruin ruin bars ruin pubs yeah where, where right? you like walk in off the street and it's like an open air like mm-hmm. it, you can see the sky yep yep yeah so it was like that but it was a hostel so you walk in there's a giant courtyard with a bar in it and then there's like along the second story there's all the rooms and we walked in and there's probably 40 to 50 australian men in dirty dresses just absolutely blacked out ab- out of their mind drunk no one had any idea who i was one guy was like oh like you're dj music huh mate and i was like what and he was like he didn't know my, my name or anything so he called me dj music the whole <laughs> the whole week um and they were basically like yeah no nah, we canceled the show we're just gonna go out in dresses and get absolutely more plastered than they were and that was like what set the tone so we went out with them briefly uh we got separated from the group and we ended up meeting some just incredible people like uh, some a hungarian film director and you know, we we just had like a, a classic sort of night out where you just say yes to everything, and mm-hmm. you know that that led up to uh, to the to the show, I guess. So you you eventually did perform a show at that hostel. They just canceled the first one. Yes, yeah. Okay. So they canceled the one on Tuesday, and then uh, somehow every single night <laughs> we had so many plans to go do things in Budapest, and every single time somebody convinced us to go out and party instead <laughs> but like let's go see like the famous baths that you can go just like hang and relax in mm-hmm. and then you have some guy busting into the room at like you know 5 p.m right before you're about to do it like oh like we're gonna go do a beer pong tournament with the other party hostel and we're like yeah sure i guess like <laughs> we had uh couple couple crazy nights you know just with, with the hostel guys and uh with everyone staying in the hostel and they were just everyone was just the best people couldn't ask for a better week and um 
then we had the show and uh there was a, bar, a pub crawl and there was like a four party hostels that were sort of in the same same group it was mm-hmm. a grandio uh and retox i don't know there's a there's a bunch of, i think it was retox, <laughs> retox <laughs> yeah not <laughs> detox retox um they're the wildest bunch of people i've ever met they uh i guess the goal was one of them told my roommate they said that they they literally didn't give a shit about anything they were like we're we think it's going to be so funny that we're going to get your your buddy me so drunk that he can't perform <laughs> like that he can't do his dj show for what four hours that was you their know? that was their prank that was the yeah that was their idea of a good time <laughs> so i was dodging drinks left and right you know just trying to be like okay i'm you know i'm gonna eventually have to dj and you perform mm-hmm. and uh it was after the pub crawl so it was about one in the morning the venue just flooded with people it was i don't know 100 200 uh, i can't i don't know the number it was like in this catacomb like half dome sewer sort of thing like what you would imagine in like a game of thrones you know and uh it was covered in graffiti and it was just under the hostel in this little cutty venue and uh we just kind of went from like 1 a.m to 4 or so a.m were you able to dodge uh, dodge drinks the whole time or did you eventually succumb well well uh i dodged most of them but then when i started accepting i started to realize that the proportions in a mixed drink were probably not the same proportions that were given to the rest of the patrons um the bartender who the guy who said he wanted to get me super drunk was the guy making him so he's like oh this is for the dj yeah i'm gonna pour it you know super super strong and uh no ice (laughs) no no ice a splash of red bull just fill the rest up with vodka and uh yeah so i definitely i mean i I probably played a good three and a half hours of you know the best the best show that i've ever played in my life and then probably the last 30 minutes to an hour i have a recording of it and i i sound like trash so i think i understand what i mean i think everyone listening could extrapolate what happened with that i didn't have the capability my laptop at the time was not the fastest i guess or you know you didn't have processing power so i had to set up a little recorder like one of those H Zoom H five H whatevers, and I set it right behind the bar so I could like listen to the set, and I was going to post it because I was like, oh, it'll pick up all the sound, but in reality, it picked up like half of the sound and then mostly just like everyone's conversation at the bar. Oh, good. <laughs> but you could definitely hear the music, and I went to listen back because I I don't remember the last bit of the set, and um, <laughs> and so I went back to listen to it, and there was definitely a lot of like. Like I said, about a half hour of me just flubbing, like, transitions, going haywire, just, like, cutting songs, <laughs> playing new ones, taking requests, like, and immediately just shutting the music off for, you know, 10 seconds and throwing the request on, thinking it's some dramatic effect. It wasn't. You think it it's wasn't. that perfect build? It's just 40 <laughs> seconds of silence, you being like, hold on. <laughs> that's not far far from what happened i I would love to hear some of that recording because i'm sure you can hear (laughs) that that bartender going like yeah yeah, i'm just making him another strong one (laughs) it's definitely working think about that (laughs) i mean one of these days i'll I'll send you the recording because i know the funniest part is when the, the show ended this is probably like the, the greatest gem of any of my travels. No picture could do this justice. Mm-hmm. Where at, once the music was cut, you hear not only the staff trying to get everyone out of the venue because it's closed, like you know they're doing last call and whatever, but you can hear me 
and this girl that I was into uh, up at the booth, every once in a while you could hear these like eruptions of either like laughter or talking. And uh, let's just say if I was going to apply to be a voice actor, that would be the last <laughs> recording that I would send them. I'll just sit, leave it at that. Like, no, we got it. We understand what you're capable of. <laughs> yeah, no, we're going to need you to go ahead and play uh, the cartoon disheveled man outside the liquor store. <laughs> this is, of course, yeah, I mean, the whole show, you think you're, you're killing the transitions. Of course, when you're talking to the girl at the time, you think you think it's fantastic. You think it's really smooth. And then you, you listen back to the recording like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Well, you know, no, no one should have a recorder on them at a bar when they're drunk because you're gonna, you're gonna hear the way you actually sound, and it's not yeah. gonna be as, as smooth as you think. It's the kind of thing that they that they bring to an intervention. They're like, you know what, Alex? <laughs> this is what you sound like. No, people love me. All right, well, we're gonna play this back for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like a broken lawnmower, Alex. You're <laughs> Yes. Uh, this is a girl that you kept talking to throughout the trip, correct? Correct, yeah. So a lot of these episodes, I haven't really talked about people falling in love. I'm talking about people, you know, making friends and uh, having these crazy experiences that they never have. But another part of traveling is you do fall in love out there sometimes. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> sometimes, aka a lot of times. A few, a few things with that, you know, in general, you know, if you're traveling... I think that uh, you've already let your guard down mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, you know, in a good way. You know, you're, you're kind of just saying yes to life. You know, you're, you're very present. You know, you, you don't have time to rely on old thought patterns or, you know, whatever you have that maybe you're used to. Mm -hmm. And everything is sort of new. And, I mean, I don't know the science behind it, but I would like to see them do, like, a, a study on, like, neuroplasticity to see like, you know, how you learn things and how you can sort of make new connections when you're traveling. Cause you kind of just take yourself out of a comfort zone mm -hmm. and you're, you know, you, you thrust yourself into, into the void. That's the, the number one thing. I don't know if you, if you felt that when you travel. I absolutely do. And I agree. And I think, I think a study like that would be really interesting just to see what happens yeah, to the mind when, when you travel. Cause obviously emotionally and in the way you behave changes dramatically yeah i hear so many people that that will come back from traveling and they'll go oh my god we just you know met these people and they're the greatest people ever we went and spent a, had a dinner with them and they you know they maybe invited us to this thing and we went and we didn't know if it was going to be good and you know they have these like two or three day experiences that they'll bring up from years in the past mm -hmm. and i don't really hear that as often with people that were like oh my god I met this couple after work <laughs> and right. we were just at the bar together and then they just invited me to their house and we had dinner and it was great. You know, like you don't hear that when you're back no, home. Not I feel at all. Like not at all. I think there's maybe and, and, a, a buffer of a couple days after you get back from it where you're still in that attitude, but mm -hmm. then you get uh, just kind of slapped in the face with reality when you're trying, you know, you try and spark up a conversation with someone, you know, back, <laughs> back in the country you live in. And they're like, what? No. Oh, actually, no, you're back home. <laughs> Sorry, you're, you're back home. We're not going to do this. <laughs> they're like, no, I, I know you work at the Kinko's, dude. You fucked up my order one time. I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I'm still you petty know? about that. <laughs> yeah, right? I think, uh, I think everyone should be that open when they, when they, go abroad i think you know my experience was probably one of the was one of the best experiences of my life i, I think i still look back on it with um 
with all the love in the world i mean you know we i met this girl in budapest uh we were walking to uh we were all going on one of those boat cruise party boat cruise things mm-hmm. when i told you I, we got wrapped up in all the partying in budapest mm-hmm. so they're like yeah come come to this boat cruise you get like a free bottle of champagne and then we go to a club afterward or whatever you know wrapping up a long story short you know it was a, it was a very i guess you could say a romantic experience you know when you're traveling down a, a river on a slow moving boat cruise sure. with a bottle of champagne you know it's, yeah. <laughs> that's that's adding some gasoline to a fire that could ignite and uh <laughs> you're both kind of asking to fall in love there <laughs> yeah right like oh you're super dope you're super dope too oh you're getting doper by the second <laughs> so, oh my god look at that it's a it's a first century church holy shit it's you know like yeah you know, can't really beat that and uh she was just an incredible person and i was smitten and then we went to uh went to a club and danced around a bunch and then uh i forgot she was like, looking for her friends and we were out front of the club and then i remember just like looking on the side her friend was waving her to the taxi and she just kissed me and literally just ran off and i was like damn it i'm never gonna see that person ever again in my life oh uh, yeah. and uh yeah we ended up up uh meeting up at the uh on the pub crawl before the that show that i played mm-hmm. we uh we were able to to sort of stay connected and uh i ended up changing a bit of my trip around uh to go see her again yeah there's those uh there's those people out there who will make you change your itinerary whether it's uh, whether it's for love or whether it's just you know a new friendship there was one thing one thing that came into mind and it wasn't something that i actually changed around Uh, touching on the hostel homies sort of you know vibe there was these two guys that we stayed with in budapest they're Mm -hmm. probably the the two funniest men that i have ever met in my entire life uh this guy named renan he was from brazil and a guy named nick from australia and they it seemed like they had been best friends for their entire life you know they they were it was like a two-man comedy team you know yeah. one of them would pitch and the other one would knock it out the park <laughs> and uh the morning after the night that we got to budapest when everyone was dressed in dresses here's renan the brazilian man comes in uh keep in mind he is tan and hairy in a dirty white dress and hung over as all hell so he comes into the room looking for nick and nick is sleeping in the room as well and so he comes in it's the funniest sight ever and he's like where where's nick like nick are you in here and you just hear it from the other corner just kind of like a grunting like uh, uh, uh. <laughs> nick speaks up he's like mate i'm here <laughs> and he was like how how are you feeling? And Nick goes, Oh mate, I feel like a million florins. And the room is silent for about three seconds, and then everyone erupts into laughter because you realize that a million florins is actually only translates to about two hundred and eighty US dollars. <laughs> and he's just destroyed. And he wakes up and they all tell us a story about how they we're traveling together mm-hmm. and how they literally ran into each other and partied in poland i believe it was and then nick heard about how cool budapest was and they had such a good time and had such a good rapport and relationship from just hanging out for a couple of days in poland that because both of them were just traveling around he facebook messaged renan and was like you have to come meet me in budapest and renan did it oh and man it was one of those, <laughs> that's you know an saying? adorable fucking duo <laughs> a bromance made in heaven yeah no kidding you know they, they obviously had some rough plans 
but he didn't mind taking his buddy's word. Yeah, it was recommended. It was he just said yes, and uh, and uh, one of them was open to it, and the other one just showed up. And I think that's a that's a it's a very beautiful part of travel if you can be that sort of flexible. Yeah, because even yes. when when he reached out to him, they were they were very new friends at the time, right? Yeah, I believe they just literally had a, a you know a stint like a a one week where they were maybe in the same room or the same hostel in Poland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so cool. I, I don't believe that they knew each other before that. Isn't it crazy how, yeah, especially when you use like the hostel world apps, you're just scrolling through these these places of possibilities that you could stay. You know, in certain cities, there's like hundreds of them, and yeah. you land on one, and that just that little <laughs> that little <laughs> movement of the thumb could change so much. You know, because you're, oh you're going to meet yeah. you're going to meet people and. It really depends on where you go, and it really might, you know, decide where you go next. I think that's part of the fun of it. It's kind of like a Russian roulette, you know, because you don't know going into it, you know, who also maybe had picked those exact days. Or mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I love this podcast so much uh, is because I think if enough people hear about all these amazing experiences that that other people have, mm-hmm. is that you maybe. It might open up even one person's mind to saying yes to something. You know, the more experiences I feel like you, that you hear, the more also I think it doesn't really matter where your thumb lands mm-hmm. on what's hostile because I feel like there's always some degree of amazing people in any hostel that you're going to stay in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And they're kind of like what you mentioned earlier. They're attempting to be the best versions of themselves while they're traveling. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get to meet a really cool version of someone uh and i think that's kind of the best time to connect well i feel like too i mean i feel like it's not even a cool version i feel like it's the most authentic i like that yeah i would absolutely agree with that you know like because when you're traveling i mean when you have everything that you ever know ripped out you know like taking for example like um whatever somebody attaches their identity to Mm -hmm. you know so if, if you let's say you got an accountant or uh, a housewife or a theater actor, you know, whatever it is, if you rip that carpet out from under them and then send them to a foreign country, I mean, what, what do you really have to go off of? You, you can't, you know, lean on your finance jokes or, mm-hmm. you know, expertise on anything. You kind of are forced to sort of just be whoever you are. And I think that's a great place for people to be. I think it's scary, but I think it's the best place because what other situation are you going to be able to see yourself or learn about yourself in that light? Yeah. Besides just thrusting yourself into the, the unknown. Also, whoever the accountant guy who leans on that is sounds fucking boring. He's <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> yeah, right? It's like, that's all I got. I got a couple, I got a, I got a couple jokes about Excel and that's about it. <laughs> Why did the chicken cross the road? Because you know you can't subtract a TR4 from a 985 form. Larry, oh. get the fuck out of here, man. Like, yeah. You're bumming everyone out. Find yourself, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you know, the, uh, the question I always ask is, where on earth do you think that everyone should go? And I always preface this by saying that this can be a city, this can be a neighborhood or it can be a specific place like a park bench. Yeah, that's a, it's a tough one, obviously, you know, for, 
for for everybody who's traveled you know you, you have this very wonderful experience of of all all the places you've been to um i would man i would say um in the in the craziness of traveling and in um in the midst of sort of running around i found a favorite spot that i try to go to every time i travel in that area and it's the alhambra in uh in granada spain so it's right kind of at the tip of uh the southern tip of spain a couple hours from uh, gibraltar and it's this giant castle on a hillside that juts into the middle of this tiny little town called granada and uh it's just this giant complex of buildings and gardens that you could walk through i mean i've i've spent like five and six hours there and it's just silent and no one talks really i mean there's some tourists that are terrible but you can go sit down on any bench there it just sort of take it in under some orange tree and you know see that the wall next to you was hand carved in stucco you know thousands and thousands of hours that went into a single wall and you just kind of sit there in awe that this whole thing still stands and exists it is still that beautiful yeah that's that sounds like heaven yeah i think it is i think that it might be actually heaven <laughs> we just found the loophole yeah alex thank you for being on the podcast Thanks, Joe. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for listening to Hostile Homies.